Okay, Blake. Here we go. So we just got swept and lost the first game to the Mets. And we're currently in the seventh. Wait. Actually not. We're currently in the eighth. Up by two runs. Heath Hembry is in. How do we feel? Not too, not too comfortable. Not too comfortable. Um, you know, you and I sat through that uh, that pretty long affair Saturday night. I just got. Uh, I went to the game uh, last night, which was the first game against the Mets, and uh, I I just have zero confidence in my bullpen. Yeah, um, you know, when, like you said, we were at the game on Saturday, and, you know, we only scored four runs as an offense. However, well, I think um, the main thing is we're always going to go back to, you know, when you ha- when you have a lead in those last two, three innings, there is, I mean, 95 to 97% of the time, you have to shut that game down. I mean, going into, they have six outs left. And especially some of these, um, we were up by, I think it was, I want to say the Mets, that first Mets game, the 19th, where we were up five to one going into the um, going into or no we were up seven to three going into the fourth seven to three going into the fourth after the fourth inning we were outscored 12 to four I mean that that's yeah. just seven runs could be more than enough for you know a bullpen to hold a lead. You know, it, it's it just comes down to uh, the quote that you know Nick Paul had earlier this year. Like you you can't live and die as a ball player with just waiver wire pickups and call-ups, you know, there needs to be some sort of standard for excellence in an organization, and right now there is not that Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Um, and I think that goes along with that point is, um, you know, with especially with this trade deadline coming up, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit later, but with this trade deadline coming up, you know, there's not a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of rumors on other teams talking, you know, shopping actively, like pushing very, very hard for one or two certain players or certain positions, whatever the case may be. I don't think I've seen one report about the Reds actively shopping for anything, whether it be, you know, trading away picks, trading away prospects, trading away MLB ready players right now. I haven't seen one shred of any news that the Reds are going and doing anything as of this moment. And I mean, obviously, even with, you know, the f- ending the first half on a high note, I think it's really important moving forward because some of these at-bats have been awesome. The hitters have done their job. But when you look at the whole picture, I mean, through six innings or through seven innings right now, we've given up eight hits, you know, 
and that's not even counting the two walks that Wade Miley had. So in all together, you've given up 10 runners in seven innings. And that is just not a good stat um, at all. You know, even like even when the game we went back and we scored 11 runs, we gave up 18 hits that game. They had four errors and we still couldn't win. So how do we expect to win against teams that aren't going to make errors, that aren't going to make mistakes, that are going to show up and they're only going to give up five hits through the first seven innings? And then you got to come, let's just take the Brewers, for example. And then you've got Devin Williams, Brad Boxberger, and Josh Hader coming out of the bullpen, three of the toughest arms in baseball. So how are how do we expect to even put up a fight against some of the best arms in baseball, even Alex Reyes has been one of the best arms in baseball for St. Louis so far in our own division, let alone the rest of the National League. And, I mean, you know, you like you said, you know, the offense is more than doing its job right now. Um, you know, with, with the exception of a select few, um, but Castellanos is having an MVP year as uh, the game is tied, I believe. <laughs> or no, no. Tying runs at second now, four to three. Um, India, uh, as we'll talk about later, um, probably rookie of the year. Stevenson in that conversation. Um, Winker, career year. Um, Barnhart, career year. I mean, we, we could go on and on and on about how these guys have, you know, just contributed so much and given so much, and yet this ownership group uh, just refuses to do anything about the, the holes in the bullpen. Yeah, and uh, I think moving, I mean, you just have to get somebody. Whether it's, you know, somebody from a bad team who's really good, who they're trying to dump, or somebody from a decent team that is okay. I mean, we just need any consistency we can get right now for somebody to say, um, you know, our starter comes out, we need you to get three to six outs right now. So looking around the division, we are seven games back currently. Um, we are six back of the wild card. I'm not even going to count the wild card. I don't think there's a need to as of right now. Um, you know, the Giants have are one win away from 60 wins already. The Dodgers, San Diego, you know, they San Diego is in third place in the NL West, and they have 55 wins. I mean, that's got to be easily – they're going to have three playoff spots. I don't think that's a doubt. But – so we've got to win the division. And – I don't really see the Cubs as being anything else, like any competition for us because they are going to be selling um, whether they like it or not. You know, you traded Jock Peterson and as Jock Peterson is not a star name in baseball. I mean, he's got some value, but he's not like a Castellanos or a Mookie Betts or even Chris Bryant, for that matter. Like, he was an everyday player for your lineup. So when you trade, and I thought the same thing, like we said in the last episode with um, Colorado, like, if you're going to trade Arenado in the offseason, you're not looking to compete. Like, no matter which way you try and twist it, you're trading your best player. So when you trade such a key piece to your lineup, 
you're going to look for other moves too, especially the dumbass that wants $200 million that hits 240 and strikes out at least 200 times. We were talking about this before. Um, so, based on the poor defense that Eugenio Suarez has shown all year, you would think that he is one of the worst defensive players in baseball. And you'd be wrong, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. But um, Javi Baez has 17 errors as of right now. And if you had to guess, I bet you wouldn't say Eugenio Suarez has less errors than that. In case you don't know, Suarez has 15 errors. So for, I guess, ESPN and, you know, MLB Network and all that, and you look on YouTube or online and some of the, let's say, key contributors to baseball media, when all you see is like Javi Baez defensive highlights and he's one of the best defenders in baseball, um, I just Googled it and the first one that comes up is Javier Baez's best defensive plays from YouTube. Javi Baez's slick defense on March 12, 2021. Um, get this. NBC Sports. Javi Baez is the top defensive infielder in all of baseball. <laughs> Written in right after the 2020 season. So here's the thing about that too is Fernando Tatis Jr. has 19 errors, which is two more than Javi Baez. But the thing is, the guy's going to hit at least 40 home runs. He's going to hit 300. He's going to have 110 RBIs. He's going to have a 900 OPS. You know, you're looking at Baez, and I'm like, um, are, are we kidding ourselves? He's hitting 242 with a 773 OPS, and he struck out a National League leading 123 times. So for all of this Javi Baez is a great player talk sure as hell don't want him on my team 123 strikeouts at the half I mean that's, that's... and in then case, he's made out to be a defensive wizard and, in uh, case you didn't uh, you can't do simple math that is 246 strikeouts if we want to Play that out. Yes. That's crazy. That's $200 million. Who's paying them? Hopefully not us. Hell, we, we, we Castellini wouldn't do it anyway. Okay. So, off of that topic... Going back to the standings, we are seven games back. Um, our run differential right now is minus 12. However, I think that's a little skewed because we have lost the last four. Um, we've been positive for a long time. I think that's very, very important. Um, you know, two games over 500 should be about six games over 500, for being completely honest. But Looking at this, I mean, we're seven games back. St. Louis is eight, and the Cubs are nine. 
but honestly, I think it's a three three man race. And you know, it it's still you know at this point in the season, we're seven games back. One bad week in Brewers can still change things, and I think that that Christian Yelich said something similar uh, in an interview just recently, and uh, you know, but we're gonna need these key pieces as Suarez just made the first out of the inning at third base, Cardinal center baseball. Um. You know, we're going we're gonna to need to get these pieces and these upgrades in order to actually, you know, start competing as the replay shows where you sort of Cadillac it. There's a, there's a ball that went off the wall. He sort of stood in the box for a second instead of hustling around the bases. But, um... You know these these pieces. Uh, we got we gotta go out and get them. We gotta, you know, actually try to upgrade. And if we're if we are going to push uh, at this point in the season. Yeah, and I think um, you hit the nail on the head. Like, I mean, it takes. You know, let's say in a span of six games, let's say we win five, they lose five. I mean, right back in it. All it takes is three, four games, and you're chipping right at the heels again. And I think that's where, where like it comes in to say, as a baseball team, it feels like, or at least a fan, it feels like we've played a whole season in the first half of the season. You know, we've had our ups and our downs, but at the end of the day, we still have a half a season to play, like a little bit less than half of a season. So to get down and say, you know, this team's done, we're seven games back, we're losing – you know, everything that's could go wrong has gone wrong in these past four games. But honestly, if we're taking a step back and looking big picture, I'm thinking, okay, that just means going forward, we're going to play even better. You know, you know, you just relax, you know, go in there and just play good baseball and eventually – the wins will start coming your way. Looking at the schedule, and I think this is where the key part comes in, as we are on a four-game losing streak. If we win tonight, we play the Mets again tomorrow, and then July 23rd through the 29th, we play the Cardinals for three and then the Cubs for four. So to say that this team is out of it is completely false. You know, you take six out of seven, five out of seven, you're going to be sitting really, really good because you're going to be in with the Brewers a couple games, you know, maybe two to four games, maybe even five but you're going to pull so far ahead of that third and fourth place that it's going to be very, very unbelievable if we don't make a trade at the deadline for some help. Right. And I think I, I saw a stat somewhere on Twitter that uh, the Brewers are in the middle of the road uh, when it comes to strength of schedule for the rest of the year. And we are – I think 28th, 29th 
uh, when it comes to strength of schedule. So this is, it, it, it's very well still within reach. Um, I mean, I've, you know, if we hang in there, you know, the Brewers are bound to lose some games. So it's not hopeless at this point. You know, there's still plenty of baseball to be played. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we're going to talk about our National League Rookie of the Year now. Um, I don't think it's even uh, – I think it's a discussion a little bit. But, um, you know, really the only player that I really see competing – with Jonathan India is Trevor Rogers. And for a pitcher to stay on the track that he is right now, it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult. Um, you know, Jonathan India has a 400 on base percentage. That is awesome for us. Awesome. Because we've always lacked that guy to say, and Joey's always kind of made up for it, but I mean, looking back at our leadoff hitters, think about this. Scott Shevler was leading off for quite a while in a Reds uniform. Drew Stubbs in the early 2010s was leading off. And when you think of those two names that come right off the top of the head, let's just say they're not the cream of the crop. We were a little spoiled with, uh, with Chu. He had some average years. But when we're like, when we're talking about Jonathan India, he's been such a key part of this team because he does set the table for Winker, Castellanos, for Joey Votto, you know, even for Tyler Stevenson. Like, I don't think it's just because he's not been in the, you know, national spotlight like Jazz Chisholm has, um, like Trevor Rogers has, because the Marlins are, I think, because the Marlins were kind of expected to be awful. Let's put it like that. And they are, they have been some of the bright spots on that team, but. I mean, look at Jazz Chisholm. It, I just don't. I don't. I don't see it at all. I mean, he's batting two fifty one with a three seventeen on base and a seven fifty five OPS, and he has eleven home runs, thirty four RBIs. And then we look at India. He's hitting two seventy six with a four oh six on base and an eight thirty one OPS with three less home runs at eight but he has four more RBIs and only four less stolen bases than Chisholm has. Not to mention that he's got 10 more hits. So I think to, I mean, Jazz Chisholm is obviously this flashy player. He's going to go out there. He's going to, I mean, he's, he's, Tatis-esque. He is not Tatis, but he is that energy, the swag, the all you want to you know, sell tickets. But at the end of the day, Jonathan India has just been a better baseball player. Right. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the leadoff sort of perspective from of it. You know, having a leadoff hitter in the lineup is such an important factor for success because, you know, it, it just gives you that mindset of, oh, yeah, this guy's definitely going to get on base. That something your offense can rally behind. And, you know, looking at his baseball reference page, an 820 OPS is something you can rally behind, something that you know – this guy is going to get on base for us. Um, you know, obviously that's that's sort of helped by the fact that he's been hit by a pitch 
15 times this year. Um, but, I mean, you can certainly do it with the bat. 276 average, uh, 415 slugging. Um, and you mentioned, you know, he's not the flashiest player. You know, second base is something that's pretty new to him. Um, obviously, he was drafted as a third baseman out of Florida. Um, but, you know, he has done extremely well considering the circumstances uh, he was put in. Um, you know, obviously, he was a, he was thrown there in, in uh, spring training, um, but he had a lot of success uh, at the position. He's had a lot of success at the position in the regular season. So, you know, this is a guy that you can build off of, and I, I think that he has certainly had a rookie of the year performance this year. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't think a lot of just casual fans maybe understand the, the adjustments, you know, the different perspective that you have to look at the range differences, the arm differences that you have to look at when switching positions like that. And I think a perfect example is, you know, we saw India really thrive under that, especially with the bat. And he's been, you know, about, I guess, his league average, about as average can get. Um, But when you look at Suarez and it's like he made that switch and you look and it seems like every time you look up, the ball's sitting at his feet. And to, like, criticize Suarez is fine, but I don't think a lot of people really truly understand that it's very, very, very difficult uh, in any level to switch positions like that and have a different perspective of the baseball, let alone at the top level in the world. So looking at Tyler Stevenson as well, I think, I mean, we've got two guys that potentially they could really, really end up in the top five maybe top seven of voting for rookie of the year. So looking at Tyler Stevenson right now, he's hitting 278 with a 370 on base and a 784 OPS with five home runs and 25 RBIs, which, and I, so he did play last year. Let's add that in, but I think the stats don't tell you how important he was when Joey Votto was on the injured list. Um, he f- really filled in that first pay- first base position nicely. Looked great in the field. I mean, his first play as a first baseman, he made a diving stop. And to have guys that you can really – I mean, I feel like we have a bunch of guys that can play a bunch of different sp- spots – And no matter what happens injury-wise or, you know, lineup-wise, struggling, who's hot, who's not, stuff like that, we have a lot of guys that can play a lot of different positions. So for me personally, I don't think we need any more on the offensive side of the baseball at the trade deadline. Um, If you want – to add a shortstop, I'm not going to blame you. But at the end of the day, I think if, barring injury, everybody is playing like we are playing right now, at the plate, we're fine. So looking at Stevenson, I mean, he played – He's played 16 games at first base. And in his last 15 games, he's hit 318. So, 
really those two rookies, I mean, I hope we keep them and they play like this for the entirety of their careers. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you sort of mentioned, uh, you know, the injury to Votto where he was just kind of thrown into a new position. And, you know, you kind of said it, you know, having a different perspective uh, on the baseball field, just sort of, it, it changes everything. You know, when a first baseman gets injured, you know, you have two catchers that can play the position. You know, it's easy to say, you know, just throw this guy at first base. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's so easy to just kind of say that on instinct, but it is a huge difference uh, when it comes to actually, you know, playing the position. Um, and Stevenson did that very well. Um, you know, and then not to mention his contributions behind the play too uh, have been amazing. Um, but overall, I think uh, he's really shined uh, at the plate uh, in the batter's box. Um, so overall, you know, I, I think he is a contender uh, rookie of the year. I don't think he's the rookie of the year at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what's going to get the most votes is being flashy. Personally, I don't really care as long as these guys are producing the way that they have been, you know, playing both sides the way they have been. I am more than fine with them not winning rookie of the year if they're going to sit here and play like this, you know. And Jonathan India said it in, inter- in an interview, it's great to have a five-hit game, you know. It's great to win rookie of the year. It's great to get acknowledged for that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't win, who gives a damn? You know, you, you miss out on the playoffs. That's just it. And uh, it helped that we just got off our four-game skid. So there's that. Um are we going to mention who uh, who just saved that baseball game? Amir Garrett. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I had tweeted out, uh, can't count on AG, but uh, I guess we can count on him for this one. So, uh, you know, if he keeps proving me wrong, I'll, I'll be right there for it. Well, I said the same thing about um... – about Wade Miley earlier to you and you know the only the only thing that I said about Wade Miley was that Derek Johnson had said to the press basically you know I want guys that strike people out I want guys that can like blow doors you know I want guys that can throw the baseball hard up in the zone and then spin it down and away. And Wade Miley just hasn't been that guy. But looking at this season, I mean, he's been our best, if not one of our best pitchers. So I'll keep eating my foot on that one. I'll take all the blame for it. He can keep pitching like that. Okay, so... Going on again, we had some trade deadline stuff. And before we get into, like, specifics, you know, specific players or what we want to see, like who we want to shop around necessarily, is there, let's just say, certain positions that you think the Reds as a whole need right now at the moment? I think you at least look at uh, the shortstop position. Um, you know, you had mentioned we don't necessarily need it. I think you 
you at the very least entertain the idea um because in my in my opinion you know Suarez certainly doesn't cut it um I think Kyle Farmer has been very very serviceable um but is he an everyday major league shortstop in my in my opinion no um uh, obviously uh the relief core um I think you need at least one good left-hander and then obviously you know there's a lot more uh, right-handers on the market. Um, left-hander relief market is a little dry this year. So, you know, if you find one specific guy, you have, you absolutely have to go. Yeah. Um, so, on honestly, I think it would be very, very stupid not to at least entertain some Trevor Story talk. Um, personally, I don't see the, I guess, entertaining talks is is fine. But, like, to me, if it's, it's either Trevor Story or Bust kind of thing, um, I don't see the point in giving up assets for a guy that's been playing just a little bit better than what we have right now. Um, Just so Kyle Farmer can just go sit back right back down on the bench. I mean, if we're looking, let me pull up his stats very quickly. It's very, I guess to me, the same thing you said, he's been very serviceable. Um, I think that's, the perfect word to describe it you know I looked at that as like you know he's a in fantasy football you got guys that you pick up for one week and then you drop the next I mean that's what I view that as I think him and maybe later in the season um, you bring up maybe see this is where it gets tough because you need the pitching, so you need the roster spot for the pitching. So calling him up could be a possibility. But, I mean, Kyle Farmer's been very serviceable. He's 230 average, 301 on base, 652 OPS, which isn't good. But he's hit seven home runs. He's had 29 RBIs. You know, he's... He's gave you offense where you've needed offense and gave you a lot of defensive consistency because he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't make errors. I mean, let's face it. This year he has four errors, and one of them was at third base. He's played left field. He's played shortstop. He's played third base. He's played second base and first base. And he's had four errors all year. So to discount what he is on this team, I think would be very stupid. Um, But I think to not at least entertain shortstop talks would also be very, very stupid. Because if you can get Trevor Story, go get him. I mean, if they're willing to dump him for – you know, what we think is not a lot, I'm completely open to that. But I don't want I don't want Trevor's story coming in and Nick Lodolo going out. Um I want I want Hunter Green. I want Lodolo. I those two along with Indian Stevenson right now, I mean if Indian Stevenson can get, you know, what two more years and then you bring up those two and those two are on the roster I think you've got a really good really good core for the next however many years um so I also do think that um I agree with you there you know we need 
one left-hander at least and one at least one right-hander i mean to not to not pick up anybody would be awful it would just be very very demoralizing because we've proven time and time again that while the bullpen has had its ups it's had its very low valleys and some of the, those valleys have lasted a very 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 long time um on the span of like weeks so to not do something like you said would just kill any thought of you know in a let's say you know last 10 games of the year and we're playing a divisional opponent if you can't rely on a bullpen you might as well just pack up because you're going to need it Absolutely, and there there are some uh, some very good uh, discount arms on this market. You know, you look at Taylor Rogers uh, from the Twins, uh, two and three win loss, three thirty five ERA over thirty seven point two innings pitch, uh, one point twelve WHIP, fifty four Ks. You know, this is a guy that you can just – he's a workhorse. You can throw him out there for around six or seven uh, here, uh, innings per year. Um, you know, he's had uh, a little bit of postseason uh, experience. and But most of all, he gets opponents to swing outside the strike zone. We have seen a lot of walks this year uh, from this bullpen, and we've seen a lot of hanging pitches in the strike zone. This is a guy who can locate out of the strike zone and get hitters to swing and miss, uh, which I feel is one of the more important things that we need um, going forward. Yeah, and, you know, you had shared some names with me, and just looking at this list, you know, a lot of discount arms. I mean, I would have had no idea. I mean, Ian Kennedy's on a minor league deal. Why not? I mean, he plays for the Rangers. They're going to trade him. They're not going to – the Rangers are not in a position to win, so at the deadline they're going to trade anybody that they can, especially guys on one-year minor league deals, to get back prospects that they can use in the future. Um, Yimmy Garcia, same way. $1.9 million contract. Marlins aren't doing anything. I mean, the Marlins are 10 and a half games back right now. And you're looking on the outside of the Mets, who we just played. The Mets haven't been healthy all year. So when they get players back, I mean, you expect that team to really boom. And to say that the Marlins have a chance is just wrong. So they're going to do the same thing of trying to move pieces where they don't fit in the future. Daniel Hudson, same way. Two years, $11 million. Kendall Graveman, one year, 1.25. I mean, to not... It would be very, very dumb to not get someone. And if if we come out of this trade deadline with one or two relievers, I'm going to be very, very happy. So here's where the kind of more in detail part comes in of, and we talked about this a little bit last time. um, Who are we going to trade for these guys? 
it is very, very tough uh, to decide. You know, obviously, you know, you wouldn't like to trade these bigger names, Green, Lodolo, um, you know, guys that, you know, you think that you can build around. But, you know, sometimes these names do have to be let go um, in order to compete now, win a championship. And, you know, because this is the thing that this ownership group had promised us was a championship. You know, are they willing to go the distance by any means necessary? Are they willing to trade these bigger name prospects in order for, you know, a commissioner's trophy? Yeah, and so here's where I struggle a little bit because, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, you got to give some guys up. And the only problem that I have with giving some of these guys up, like, so let's say we trade one of our big horses, Lidole or Green. Let's say one of them's gone. The piece that we are getting back, does that put us over the hump? Because if you can't, picking up Trevor's story just isn't enough. Picking up one reliever might not be enough. Hell, picking up two might not even be enough. So to like, I don't want to sacrifice seeing him in a different, let's just say different Jersey killing us for the next seven years. If that means a first round exit, because we saw the same thing with like Trevor Bauer, the reds aren't going to go out and spend. They aren't going to sign this $300 million contract, you know? So when we get guys like Castellanos, the year he's having, Winker, the year he's having, like you said before, all the all these guys are having career years. Do we really go out on a limb and say, you know what, screw it. It's all or nothing right now. And that's where I think some people are um, – some people are very nearsighted um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but to me, it's not the best thing. I think if we, if we're going to trade Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo, we better win a championship because I, as a fan, don't want to sacrifice guys that are like, you know, top 25 prospects in baseball for a first round exit and Trevor Story leaving in the off season. And now we're basically sitting on our hands come next trade deadline because we don't have the guys that we used to. We're not in the same spot that we were. And now one of our top two guys is somewhere else. Um, but if, if we can trade one of those two guys, Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo and win a championship, trust me, I will be more than fine with winning a championship. I will not complain, but giving up, you know, those guys that we have drafted very, very highly and put a lot of capital into put a lot of resources into to just say okay you can go to Colorado now and we get three months of Trevor Story to me I don't know if that's a fair trade off 
because I mean he's he's not signing with the Reds. No, I mean he's gonna want you know upwards of you know he's probably gonna want the deal that Javi Baez wants, you know, um, on like. But the only the only difference is that he actually probably deserves it. Right. And you know, rightfully so. Um, but you know the question is. You know, would you have to give up that many pieces for him? Because, you know, this year he is having sort of a down year. Um, you know, it, it might be because of, you know, the environment that he's in in Colorado where you know, they're not very competitive. Um, but, you know, just on name alone, he might. He'll, he probably will end up warranting, you know, a big prospect like Lodolo or Green. Um, but, you know, and I, I really do uh, understand uh, your position of, you know, it, it better be a championship. You know, it's all or nothing sort of, uh, sort of outlook on it. Um, but you know, I I, I think, uh, like I said, shortstop, that's not necessarily, you know, a, a essential need right now. Um, I think you know, relief pitching is the main need, obviously. Um, so I think that's where the focus needs to be. Um, and I don't really think that there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, candidates on that front that would require, you know, moving a green, moving a Lodolo, moving one of these top prospects. I think that, you know, these are more, you know, middle to low tier uh, prospect worthy kind of moves. Yeah. And, you know, I think Jock Peterson getting traded from the Cubs is the perfect example. You know, when Ronald Cunha Jr. went down, they needed that plug-and-play guy that we can say, where they can say, I'm going to put you here. You're going to give me average numbers. You know, he's, he's not going to hit for a high average, but he's going to hit you a lot of home runs. He's going to strike out a lot, you know. Huh. If we can pick up on the level of Jock Peterson, some of those guys, you won't hear a complaint from me. I mean, that's fine. I don't. I don't need this. These big stars, whatever. Because at the end of the day, I do believe in some of the guys that we do have in the bullpen. Now, sometimes those don't translate to results on the field, and. Sometimes that's just the way it works out. But if, you know, I think Amir Garrett is a good example, too, of he's got his hills, but then he's got his really, really low valleys. So if we can find him to be in the middle and stay in the middle, you know, who doesn't want that? It's the same way with... um just the bullpen in general, you know, the game we went to on Saturday, Brad Brock came in, pick off the second, throws it into center, and you looked at me and you were like, he didn't even look back there. I mean, Jonathan India wasn't even close to the base. So, next batter, same batter, hits sack fly give up the lead when stuff like that happens it's very like why like why are we picking off the second base and I don't remember who the runner was but yeah I know it was a left-handed batter at the plate like this is almost like a hundred percent you know he's not running on second so why are we even entertaining this reliever pick off the second play when the guy is what 
maybe three steps off second base, four steps off second base. Um, so, and Brad Brock's been okay for us this year. Like he's been the same way. He's been serviceable, but I feel like a lot of these times we are really shooting ourselves in the foot. And if that doesn't happen, we would be so much better off than we were. Um, like tonight, perfect example. Amir Garrett comes in in the ninth, walks the first guy on four pitches. You know, that just just can't happen. So if that doesn't happen, now the guy didn't score, but if that doesn't happen, Amir Garrett is looked at in a lot different light than he is right now. Um, and it's happened all year, you know, I keep going back to the game we went to Saturday, but he did give up two base hits, but the two base hits he gave up, the first one was a little squibber jam shot. So nine out of ten times, that's just going to that's gonna be an out. And unfortunately it wasn't, and that sucks. But because Amir has this reputation of being a guy you can't rely on, it was we boot him off the field. I mean, and that sucks to say, but you know, sometimes it just sometimes these guys are making it very, very hard to keep backing them up and saying. I believe that you can be a good pitcher. I believe that you can be a good hitter. And the same thing happened for me with Scott Shebler is like, dude, you are in a two strike count. Half of your at bats. Like we need to like, and you're, you're striking out at these unbelievable numbers. And it's like, okay, well, a lot of first pitch takes, a lot of off-speed takes. And I understand that, but at some point we need to say, okay, I'm striking out at this big rate. Why? Because I'm getting into two strike counts and I'm taking a lot of pitches. Okay, let's be a little bit more aggressive. Like, why don't we change what we're doing and, you know, move forward with that? And David Bell had a quote in the interview he said about Suarez was that, you know, he's, he is hitting 170, which is not good. But to, he said to say that this guy hasn't made adjustments and has tried new things would be wrong because he has. So in my mind, as a fan of this team, I'm saying, you know, yeah, he struggled, but at the end of the day, if we're sitting here trying all these new ways to fix it right now at the stance we're in as a team right now, I'm fine with him trying that. However, there is a point where it's not going to be fine, where it's going to be, okay, nut up or shut up. You know, you got to produce. We're paying you this money, you're playing every day. Like, you just got to do it. So, personally, I have a lot, a lot of faith in this team. Um, you know, with the guys that we have right now, to say that we don't need guys, that would be wrong. But I do have some faith in some of the guys that we do have. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always have faith in this team. You know, there's been a, there's been a couple friends of mine who, you know, have, uh, we've been talking back and forth and, you know, they've, they've lost faith, uh, in the Reds. They've moved on to other teams, but, uh, you know, I'll always back, always back to the Reds and, uh, you know, in, in terms of these guys that, you know, have struggled and have uh, 
really sort of had down years. Um, you know, they wear the colors. They wear um, Cincinnati across their chest always back then. But, you know, they're, they're, like you said, there comes a point where you need to nut up or shut up. And uh, I think now is that time, you know, second half of the season. Um, we're in it. We're in the pennant race. So, um, no better time to uh, to get your shit together. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think you said it perfect. Like, I will never root against this team. I will always root for this team. No matter what they do, no matter what ownership does, if we don't make a move, if we do make a move, at 7.10 during the week, I'm going to turn on my TV. I'm going to turn on now Bally Sports Ohio, and I'm going to watch the Rats. 